Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I appreciate you and our producers for giving us the space to have the conversation. Um, but I think if we're going to have the conversation, right, about colorism, we have to first agree on the definition. So I have Miriam and Webster. It's a noun. Differential treatment based on skin color, especially favoritism toward those with lighter skin tones and mistreatment or exclusion of those with a darker skin tone, typically among those of the same racial or ethnic group. Can we all agree that that is the definition? Absolutely. That's yeah, colorism. That's definition. That's colorism. Okay. Happy Black History Month. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. You might be wondering, uh, why an extra episode this week? Well, I'm kicking myself. But you know what? Frankly, it had to be done due to the nature of what happened and what was discussed on part two of the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion. I felt like I couldn't possibly lump this in with a recap of New Jersey and, you know, whatever bullshit Melissa and Teresa are fighting about this week. It just didn't really make sense. I think, you know, as a black capital B, capital W woman, I needed to talk about this. Um, And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, So we start off with Wendy talking about how Giselle has a pattern of talking about people's husbands, but only when the camera just so happens to be rolling, which Giselle is attempting to deny at this point. So Candace says, Giselle likes to use the show to lie on people and tell people, oh, Chris did something, but we're still waiting on what that thing is. What did he do? So Giselle says, I told Karen, I told Robin, Ashley, whoever, I was uncomfortable. That's what it was. So Andy says, was it uncomfortable for you to be in a room with Chris or did he do something that made you uncomfortable? You know, were you uncomfortable or did he discomfort you? So Giselle tries to wave it off like, oh, well, I think we're dealing with semantics here. But Andy is like, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what this is. So then Giselle says, She feels like Candace is making a bigger deal out of this than it actually is. And she wasn't going to be saying anything until Ashley did. But this is what I've been saying pisses me off about Giselle. She never understands or she is actively ignorant about the fact of like impact versus intent, right? Maybe you just wanted to have a little fun and talk about something on uh, TV and you want to talk, make up these stories about uh, people rubbing their vaginas or Chris being a sneaky link or whatever, trying to see if you're, he was with it or you were with it. But at the end of the day, the impact 
is that Chris is now like fighting for his, well, not really, because fortunately nobody believes this, but um, the impact of that is like, you're trying to make it look like he really did something to you. And that's really annoying. And there have been, um, you know, ripple effect things that have happened to him because of what Giselle said that wasn't even true. She does this over and over again where she comes to people with some dumb shit and then when they give her the energy that she rightfully deserves, she's like, Ugh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm so, she acts so confused. Like, she doesn't understand what's going on and she's totally innocent. So then Candace says, you know, Giselle, you use the opportunity to tell an audience of millions of people that my husband is a predator. Mia tries to pipe up to disagree and vouch for uh, Giselle at this point. Candace with the quickness. Shut up, Mia. <laughs> then she goes right back to Giselle and says, what we're not going to do is skirt around this. And, you know, everyone in America sees exactly who you are. So then Mia says, you have to acknowledge that Chris was doing some um, something inappropriate. And Giselle even says, no, no, no. I did not say that he did anything inappropriate, but I was uncomfortable. I feel like that's just something that you're going to have to work out or you should have worked out on your own. Like if you can't point to anything he did either with words or not, or, you know, body language or something, you just felt uncomfortable because it's your rule that men and women should not be alone together in rooms, then that's something that you're going to have to deal with because as Andy said last episode, it's a little bit Victorian and it's a little bit like, I, I don't know. I mean, the situation have, as we've been told is, okay, he asked Giselle to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. They think that they're going into her glam team or the glam people were, they turned out not to be there. They said, oh, this is kind of weird. I think he said, oh, you know, like if you're uncomfortable, let's leave. And that was it. And then maybe he said something about Candace, a thing or two, but that was it. But like, you know, I don't want to have to vouch for men. <laughs> okay, please don't make me do this. And if you've known this whole time that he hasn't really done or said anything that really warranted, uh, you know, like you're saying he didn't do anything inappropriate. It also makes it even more fucked up that you would pile on to Ashley's and, you know, her friends, little fairy tales and fallacies and muppetries and puppetries. Like, that sucks, too. And that sucks. I hate when people, like, throw rocks and then are like, why are you mad at me? Like, oh, I, it irks me. Which brings us to Deborah. And the found footage moment. And Andy asks Ashley, okay, what did you think after you saw that footage? So Ashley very diplomatically says, you know, I was surprised because it didn't align with Deborah's words. And I've only known her to be truthful. But Deborah maintains, I'm sorry, let me do this without laughing. Deborah maintains that the editing didn't line up with what he was saying at the time. Girl. <laughs> okay, Deborah. You know what? Fine. Like, do you really think that the editors of any show are going to go that out of the way for you? Deborah? we're never going to see your ass on television again. Who the fuck? They're not going to waste their time on that. Please. And what Andy should have done in that moment is ask Ashley, okay, do you believe that? Do you believe that the editors went out of their way to uh, misalign his wording with the video? And that they just, like, cut things out. Do you believe that, Ashley? Girl. <laughs> Girl. Come on. Then we go on to the Happy Eddie stuff and how that was a fucking reach. Wendy says it was a really big reach. It's almost as if these women get uncomfortable when men show normal respect and decency, which was a drag. And I don't think everybody caught that. So then we get to Candace's Instagram Live heard round the dinner table thanks to Robin Andy says that it's his understanding that Candace actually said a lot of nice things about Robin and her business in that Instagram live before she went on to say, you know, um, people are peddling their businesses all over the USA and, and being mean to them. Right. So Robin says, well, you know, I wasn't watching the, the video in real time. You know, I was sent the clip because it was on a blog. 
And, you know, when I heard about peddling businesses, the only person I thought that Candace could be talking about was, like, Ashley and Giselle, but they don't have businesses at the time. So, you know, it could have been, you know, me or Karen or, or Wendy. So, you know, that was just in my feelings about how Candace was treating me. So I think what we're kind of missing here is that we don't really see a ton of it because Robin is usually stuck to Giselle and whatever Polly fabric blend she's got on her body but Ashley excuse me uh Robin and Candace actually have a real friendship have been for years and it's like some real shit so Candace says why didn't you just come to me but Robin goes well why are you mad that I shared your words with our friends so Candace says because you're my friend and I would have assumed if the she was on the other foot that you weren't talking about me or I would have come to you and been like girl what's up what who are you talking about but then you tried to shame me in front of the group and it was stupid because you embarrassed yourself. Now, is that actually true? Um, I don't know. I think people were pretty team Robin at the time, but I mean, I think history has, uh, the clown has come back to bite Robin. And I think, uh, we don't really remember this whole speaker situation, or at least I don't hold, it doesn't hold a lot of weight for me, frankly, but it also speaks to how blessed we are to have Potomac. Cause imagine if this happened on Beverly Hills, this would have been, 14 seasons 14 seasons of what happened with the speaker speaker gate by the way y'all i saw a picture of like the first um the girls were all together for uh crystal's 40th birthday and it was just a group photo of everybody but rena and whoo pop pop fizz fizz over to leaf that was Oh my gosh. And by the way, if you guys have not seen this man who was allegedly Sutton's new boyfriend, his name is Pierre. Um, <laughs> I, I have questions. And I think if you saw a picture of him, you might too. Back to Potomac. Robin tells Candace, you know, you get upset because things get done on camera, but it's not fair because, you know, when we're filming, everything should happen on camera. Here's what the editors did have time for. Um, screen two weeks later robin's sitting at watch what happens live she and andy are talking about candace tweeting her disappointment over hiding this wand shit all season and how betrayed she felt you know um and robin says well what is that what i'm going through have to do with her and chris and andy goes well i think it's about what you didn't share there's a lot of um slow talking and having to explain Robin very simple concepts keeps happening in this episode. I noticed. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if much like Giselle, she's trying to do this like fake ignorant or feigned ignorance. Um, and she ends up looking dim, frankly, it's not working. <laughs> then we get a segment that kind of is almost like pitting, Robin and Wendy together in regard to like America, who's America's Candace's best friend of the, the show or whatever, you know? So they talk about how Candace and Robin made up. And during that Candace said, I look up to you the most in the group, but what about Wendy? So Candace says, I don't really understand why I have to give love one girlfriend over the other. Robin is one of the first people I connected with since I joined the group I've known her longer than I've known Wendy. We've been friends this whole time. And I love they cut to Giselle just trying not to like scowl. <laughs> I really picked up on something that Giselle's not a big yeller. Like she'll elevate her voice, but not so much in anger. She really keeps her, her temper in check. And I appreciate that. I think maybe I don't appreciate it, but I do think it's impressive because I couldn't. I, I consider myself a pretty level-headed person. I know I, it may come off on this podcast like I really like to tussle, but I really don't. I protect my peace. I take my naps. I'm, I'm chill, usually. But this, I think, would piss me the fuck off. Because here's my thing. Like, don't play, you know, to quote that one, Frankel, you can't play smart and stupid at the same time. And I don't like when people do that with me. Like, you either know what you're doing or you don't. You got to stick to one of them. Okay. Wendy then reminds Candace, um, you know, when you said Robin was the most loyal, like seconds later, Robin put that JBL speaker on the table. I whispered over to you, is this the one that you thought is most loyal? Candace is like, yeah, I do remember that. 
Robin mumbles, well, that wasn't the sequence of events, sequence of events. But like, whatever, like, who cares? None of this matters. <laughs> they end up breaking for lunch. The men arrive. Wendy tells Eddie, dude, Mia's brought you up three times so far. And he goes, huh? <laughs> I love Eddie. Then we get to Giselle's segment, which was mostly about Karen doing her little dupes, right? Her uh, live show dupe, uh, the candle dupes with Wendy. Uh, we did back into Giselle's story at one point talking about that Steve guy that she's dating. She dated for two seconds. We're never going to see that man again and her health issues. So one of the first questions for Giselle's segment, let's be clear. One of the first questions was for Karen (laughs) about how it seems like she copies stuff. And Karen goes, listen, with regard to the candle, Wendy, with all due respect, I launched my fragrance, LaDom four years ago. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Um, And I told you guys at the launch that the candles were next. So when you were telling me about your candles, I was being gracious. (laughs) I love it. Then they switched to like, do you feel like you were copying the show? So Karen says, no, when they were filming that opening scene of them under the cherry blossoms, she had talked to Robin and Giselle about it and they all had a laugh about the conversation. So she had told them already, I'm going to be doing a live show. So Andy asked, did you get uh, inspiration for your show from the Countess Luann? And Karen says, no, Candace got it right when she said it was a variety show. And Andy goes, yeah, like, like Countess Luann. (laughs) So Karen goes, you know, I get that, but my inspiration was Carol Burnett. Okay. Where did Wendy Williams land in this? I think Wendy Williams is coming back, you guys. I'm excited. Anyway, Karen says, you know, sorry, Andy starts asking you about the LaDoms, you know, her her stand group. And Karen's like, yes, I have a lot of support. And when I say LaDoms rise, they do. (laughs) Giselle goes, okay, so did anybody at your show rise when you yelled that? She goes, they do on social media. (laughs) So then Andy asks Karen, um, you know, if there was a group called the Robins, what would they be like? Boring. <laughs> so then Andy asks about, finally we get to Giselle. Okay. Finally we get to Giselle. He's asking about her hysterectomy and Giselle says, yeah, I think this is the most feedback that I've gotten from women on the show since, you know, we started. And Candace goes, yeah, because it's the first time you've been real on the show. So Giselle says it was bad. The surgery was actually very serious. Supposed to just be three and a half hours. Ended up being well over eight. She ended up having bladder issues. Had to get a catheter. It was real deep for her kids. And she tries to get out of talking about it. And Andy goes, no, we're going to talk about this now. Not later. Excuse me. So Giselle says that, you know, it was scary talking to the girls about what was going to happen. But she had promised them... You know, it's just going to be three hours. I'm coming back home. It's not going to be an overnight thing. So comes the day of the surgery. Her sister is getting hourly updates from the doctors. And then suddenly the updates just stop. They're not hearing anything. Um, It's now five hours past, you know, one, two, three, four, five hours past when they thought. And radio silence. Obviously things went very badly. Um, she ended up having to stay the night because of her bladder issues, because the surgery went longer and they had already, the girls were concerned like, Oh, what if mom doesn't come home? And that was like, bam, 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 potentially your worst fears are being realized. Fortunately, everything's fine now, but like, I totally get it. It sounds very upsetting, very traumatizing for those girls. Giselle says they still don't really want to talk about it. Um, and yeah, but Fortunately, she's all good now. Andy then switches subjects to why Giselle doesn't really give up much of herself on TV, but she seems to have this expectation that everybody else on the camera talks about everything, right? Giselle says not that's not true. 
because she's talked about things on camera, but if production doesn't show it, then that's really up to them. And then for whatever reason, she feels the need to do some long point at Wendy, like she's having a dramatic courtroom moment. And she goes, I wasn't going to talk about these subjects of my health around these people that I don't like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay. Okay. Because Andy's asking you about seven seasons and you're talking about one situation. One out of the past eight years. So uh, no point. Zero points for Giselle. Andy says, I get that, but don't you see a difference between your expectations about what the other people talk about versus what you talk about? So Giselle says, well, if I ask a question, they don't have to answer. And Karen hits it right on the head when she says, but you drag people when they don't answer. Giselle's like, no, I don't. So Candace goes, no, you bully people. And even me, I was like, no, you do. Like this, you saying, is this what cancer or no cancer looks like? Which she's right. Because Giselle has a tendency of asking inflammatory questions or questions that could be poised in an inflammatory way, where if you don't answer, then you end up looking like a liar. (laughs) Like there's really no winning. Like, if Mia had not defended herself and been like, fuck you, Giselle, why would you ask me a question like that? She would have looked even more like a liar than she already does. I mean, maybe that wasn't a great point, but you know what I mean. If you were to ask somebody who doesn't tend to lie, usually, unlike Mia, then, you know, if somebody asked me that and I was being evasive, I wouldn't be surprised if they then tried to weave a story of, like, me being evasive when I just maybe didn't want to answer the question. And then she starts talking about Jason and how he met the girls. They grilled him. He answered every question, right? Which we see him doing on television. So, you know, no surprise there, but this is how I know it really cracked me up. Andy clearly doesn't know shit about Jason because he asked Giselle, did Jason give you any advice on, you know, how to handle the reunion? Um, Andy, Jason's never been even on Watch What Happens Live, much less at a Winter House reunion. So <laughs> how would he know? Okay, I have to issue a correction in the interest of me being an honest journalist. Okay, Jason was on um, Watch What Happens Live. But I did catch that Miss um, Jason was also saying that Lindsay was one of the rudest people when he was asked. He said Sierra and Lindsay, which is something that I didn't know. So now this is what? Jason, Maya, Amanda, uh, Kyle, and maybe some other people that have now said that Lindsay is the rudest people to to others. So, hmm, interesting. Anyway, let's talk about Wendy and get to her segment about bar... Not going to happen, thank God. Working too much, her kidneys, not having enough water, Mia throwing a drink at her, Robin calling her antagonistic while recording her to fight. Um, Wendy says that she spoke about going into the restaurant business with Candace and Ashley off camera. They both told her not to do it. So then Mia tries to start explaining her relationship with Peter, which I think we all know, right? G and Peter are the friends. Peter was dating some chick, but... Mia and G used to hook up with her, but this was prior to, like, they ended their little whatever. Peter starts dating this woman. Now none of them are fucking her, okay? Long story short. We don't need to know who this woman is. Andy asks Mia, why did you throw that drink on Wendy when it really didn't seem like Wendy said anything? 
But Mia goes, well, you know, from my recollection, Wendy was saying a lot of things that had nothing to do with the subject and I just had enough. So Andy goes, okay, well, it seems like you were trying to make whatever drama that was going on with Wendy and Peter a lot more than the reality. Mia says, I wasn't trying to come for Wendy, but I did poorly deliver the message. (laughs) But she was talking business and, you know, Wendy was the one who took it to a different level. Candace chimes in and goes, no, you threw the drink. And only after that did Wendy start talking about other stuff. So Wendy goes, I cannot believe that almost a year later, you can't take ownership of what you did. You assaulted me. And don't think I'm just standing here strong. That shit was fucked up. You assaulted me and I didn't like it. Mia says, okay, well, do you want to talk about the real story of you giving Peter the cookie? What? What? Do you want to talk about that? Wendy goes, girl, you're just saying that because you want to. Candace says, you can't just say whatever you want, Mia. Andy's hiding behind the question cards. Mia claims that Wendy had dinner with Peter off camera before they started filming the season at bar one and that she gave him the cookie after hours and that she saw the video of them hooking up. Mia, do you want to be actively admitting to participating in revenge porn? That thing that's illegal? (laughs) I mean, that feels real dicey of an admission. Like, what are you talking about? Wendy tells Mia, you're fucking for lobsters. We don't all need to do that. Okay? (laughs) And I think Mia said, like, oh, well, yeah, I stand in that. Good. You Stand in the lobster pot, girl. Stand in that. Oh my God. So Annie then asked a viewer question to Robin about why you continuously called Wendy antagonistic after having a drink thrown in her face. And Robin goes, listen, you know, I don't know how I would react if somebody threw a drink on me. And Andy goes, well, I watched that umbrella scene three years ago. Uh, Probably not well. (laughs) Not well, bitch. Everybody has the right to retaliate, she says. However... I was trying to protect Wendy. So Karen goes, okay, why did you want them to fight? Why did you keep saying fight or shut up to Wendy then? So Robin says that after she told Wendy to stop, she said, if you want to fight, then fight. If you don't, then stop. And that's what people are missing. So we get unseen footage where Robin says, I know you don't want to fight on camera, Wendy, but if she pops you in the mouth, it's because you keep doing this, you know, hand mouth motion you keep talking so if you want to fight her do it off camera huh oh okay does that help you Rob? like this is what i mean like do you she really is the dizziest bitch at the table this is not shed you in a great light either this is not the watershed moment for me not for me not for wendy either she goes okay um Like, even with that context, Robin, it doesn't change anything because I had just been physically assaulted, not once, but twice. And you looked at me and called me antagonistic. And if anybody in this room, even dumbass Mia, got punched in the face right now, I would say, hold up, this is messed up. You didn't do that. The only person you spoke to was the person that you attacked, that attacked me. And that's fucked up. So then Robin says, you know, I don't condone what Mia did, but I understood her frustration. And then, well, we weren't friends at the time. And to be honest, I felt like Karen would have been the perfect person to tell Wendy and Mia to knock it off. But instead, she just got out of the situation. Girl, shut the f- (laughs) What? This is beyond goofy. Goof troop. Shut up. (laughs) Karen rightfully tells Robin, don't drag me into your bullshit. (laughs) Your ass was the aggressor at the table. What you're not going to do is say that I should have defused something that your ass was responsible for gaslighting. And then there's a whole conversation between Andy and Karen. You know, it's not, she's, she wasn't gaslighting the situation. She was throwing gas on the situation, you know, adding fuel to the fire, but whatever. We get it. We get it. So then Andy asks Robin, why do you keep denying that you were aggressive at the dance studio? With Wendy, when you said that Sharice didn't have to block me, she didn't put a finger on me, when we all saw that Sharice's natural reaction was to get up 
and put her two hands on your shoulders to create a physical barrier between you, Robin, and Wendy. And this is where she gets goofy again. I didn't need Charisse to put her hands on me. And then there's a, a segment where basically everybody has to walk, handhold her through the idea that if you stand up, even if Wendy, as you claim, said, stand up and it, stand up in it 28 times, even if she said it 28,000 times, if you're getting up, you're having a heated argument with somebody across the room, one is sitting and then you stand up, the natural reaction of most people is going to be like, whoa, things are escalating. Duh. Andy says that if you got up right now, I would block you. I would try to put, to block you, shield you with my body. Like, do you get that? She doesn't seem to. Whether by choice or by, you know, stupidity. It's not great. Neither option is great, Robin. (laughs) Then we start getting into the hypocrisy of it all. Andy asks Ashley, you really seem to flip-flop on your stance with regard to violence this season, because with the situation with Monique and Candace, you went out of your way to do a written statement to the courts for Monique. So Ashley says that's not true. Wasn't being a hypocrite. No flip-flopping. After the situation with Candace and Monique, she felt like people supported Candace as they should have, but nobody came to check on Wendy after Mia attacked her. I mean, I guess like... Seems like Karen did, you know, and her whole birthday trip to Miami got ruined it because Mia couldn't get out of her feelings about it. So <laughs> Candace was also there. They slithered to the out, out of the music studio with Trina. So, okay. <laughs> Not really clearing up because I'm still hearing that you did a sworn statement for somebody who did put their hands on somebody, but never mind. <laughs> Andy then tells Giselle that her reaction to the two situations were also hypocritical because she had no issue with Mia throwing a drink on Wendy. So what's the difference? So Giselle says that the situations are completely different because it's getting beat up like Candace was versus just having a drink tossed at you. So Andy goes, okay, but you want people to know that the situation with Chris made you feel a certain way. So why can't you give Wendy the grace of her feeling like she was assaulted? She felt violated. And Giselle goes, well, I don't like her, so it just doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Ew. That's so foul. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, Candace hit it right on the head. Like, okay, there's a right and a wrong, regardless of, we don't need to be factoring in whether or not you like somebody. If somebody puts your hands on another person, that's wrong. It doesn't matter that you don't like who got assaulted. That's really weird. Like, why would you ever say that? Andy even tells Giselle that that wouldn't hold up in court. Wendy says, I just want to make everything clear right now. I know I came off strong in the moment, but that shit was fucked up. And the way it was handled within this group was fucked up. It took everything out of me not to beat the shit out of you, Mia. Not because I couldn't, because of who I am as a woman. And the only reason I came to your room to have a conversation in Mexico was so we could move on as a group. But I don't fuck with you, Mia, because you violated me. So Giselle tries to be like, oh, well, you know, I thought you guys were bumping vaginas or whatever. And Wendy goes, we'll get to that later. Okay. It was a lot of tequila and we just showed our vaginas like women do. (laughs) Then they take a break. Jacqueline's in the makeup room getting somebody to sew one tract of blonde into the side of her head. And she's talking about how she wants to clear up a lot of misconceptions. But before we get to that, we get to why I had to do a a one-off standalone episode for this. Andy says the topic of colorism has come up a lot and as a white man I feel like I shouldn't be leaving the subject so we considered having a moderator we also reached out to all the women they collectively agreed to discuss this topic without a moderator then he says Candace was the most vocal about all this she told producers she did not think her castmates were colorist however she felt that the conversation needed to be had so Candace Give you the floor. Candace starts off by saying that she appreciates that the production and the Andy gave them the space to have this two minute conversation. We'll get into that. So 
She says, you know, before we get into things, I think we should all agree of the Merriam-Webster definition of colorism, right? She reads it. Everybody agrees. So then Candace says, I think it's important that we pinpoint moments where colorism has come up in the group. And I feel like, personally, I have this uh, reputation of being somebody on the show who will yell and scream or cry or whatever combination of those things. And I'm viewed as the crybaby or the first one to be emotional. But Robin has also screamed. She's also put her finger in Ashley's face. She's put her finger in Monique's face, um, you know, and that's just not received the same way. Robin gets very defensive and she's like, you know, I just feel like I've been called a mean girl sitting on this couch here. And Candace goes, yeah, here now and today, not really in the seven seasons before this. So Robin then asks, well, are we the ones saying that you're emotional, Candace? And Candace says, some of you. Yeah, some of it comes from the audience. Should I time out now? Yeah, I think I'll time out. So here's where I think was a moment where we could have really expanded on that, which is, I think the unspoken thing from this conversation was colorism can also come from fans, the audience, hitting people up in their DMs, writing comments that you're liking and Um, There are dog whistles to that. And, you know, it's possible that Robin and Giselle are feeding into those things. Now, I would actually go so far to say is it's probable because um, both Robin and Giselle on this podcast have said, on their podcast, have said colorist things. They said colorist things about the basketball player, James Harden. They've, I've heard them definitely on more than one occasion say things that I found were like, Ooh, this is like really nasty is talking poorly about dark skinned people specifically and like uh, being weird about that. I also, as a side comment, feel like Robin has made a few comments that feel very fat phobic and very like, ooh, like she's trying to keep it cute. But if the microphone was off, I feel like she would have gone a little bit further with her comments. And it was giving, but I'm not about to go through every episode of Reasonably Shady and give you verbatim um, uh, quotes. There are blogs and articles about the James Harden situation and other things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I also think it's important for me because I know that like y'all know that I'm a black woman and that you guys, you know, are probably like, oh, as non-black listeners of the show, probably like I maybe want to hear her perspective on things because maybe she can shed light on situations. I got to tell you guys personally, like if you guys don't know what I look like, I would consider myself to be a dark skinned black woman in my personal life. Colorism has not been an issue. I have a sister who's uh, very light-skinned. I have family members who are light-skinned. Like, we run the spectrum of color. It's never been... I don't recall a time where my skin was ever seen as ugly. Um, I always, like, liked to tan. <laughs> I liked to be as dark, even still, as dark as I possibly can be, because I think it makes me look my most beautiful. Um, it's just never, 
I don't know. I've been very fortunate, I guess, for it's just never been a thing where I've never, truthfully, until I became an adult, knew how pervasive that was in the black community because it just didn't really happen in my family. It didn't happen to people I know. Like, you know, most of the black women I'm friends with are dark skinned black women. I don't know if they've had these issues. I personally have not. So I also. <laughs> Like, I can pick up on things because, you know, colorism is just a microcosm of a lot of things that go on. Uh, so while I don't personally have experience with this, like, I get it. I totally get it. And because I get it, what really fucks me up with Robin and Giselle specifically, and to a certain extent, Ashley, their reactions to this conversation are so wild to me. One... Giselle has a grandfather who was, you know, part of the, like, an integral part of the Black civil rights movement here in America. Um, Giselle also belongs to a sorority called the AKAs. There's massive colorism when it comes to the Divine Nine, specifically. You know, like, the AKAs are known as being the, you know, quote, pretty light-skinned girls with the, quote, good hair. That's been kind of their reputation um, we all kind of know what it is. I mean, obviously, as we have, uh, you know, time has gone on, it's not as pervasive a thing, but it was, and it definitely was when, uh, you know, uh, Giselle was allegedly being a broken whore at Hampton, Uni Hampton University. We can all look at Robin and Giselle and say that there's not a chance in hell that they don't know <laughs> that their green eyes and their pale skin light skin has not benefited them that they probably not had people say oh my god you're so beautiful like whatever come the fuck there's no way that you guys don't know that there's no way and on the you know the other edge of like getting privileges is the fetishization can you imagine the fetishization that they've had to deal with being like oh my god here's this she's black but you know she looks exotic or whatever like miss me with that like you guys know that i know that they do we know that there have been rumors about robin having a, a lipstick alley account from years back when Juan was playing in the league that he was you know rumored to have cheated on her or left her for gabrielle union we all know what Gabrielle Union looks like compared to Robin and how this person who everybody believes very strongly, there's very strong evidence that this account is Robin, um, said, oh, Juan would never be with her because she's too dark. He likes light skinned women. So like, you see what I mean? <laughs> So back to the show, Giselle pretends like she's confused about the connection between Candace being emotional and colorism, which is an easy thing to try to get out of because you can't, it is not a quantifiable thing. We cannot specifically point to that. That is true. However, um, as Karen says, it's important to personalize it. For Karen, Karen Huger's experience is that she owns the plantation that her ancestors worked on. They were raised on. And that colorism was a huge subject because with regard to slavery, darker people tend to be the ones working out in the fields and the lighter skinned people would be, you know, the house Negroes, the ones cooking, cleaning, helping with the family. Their lives were, you know, quote unquote, easier, right? Well, Karen says... It takes a conscious effort to change that, what has been indoctrinated into us. And what Candace is clearly saying is that given the same circumstance, Candace is treated more harshly based on the color of her skin. So then Ashley tries to not poke another hole in it. Well, how do we know that? Because, you know, Candace is who she is. Robin is who she is. You know, we just can't say for sure what it is. And like I said, that is true because people can... Now, like Candace, for a lot of reasons, frankly, that have nothing to do with her skin tone. That is true. Like, nobody is saying Candace out here is a saint acting perfectly all the time. And, and she cried one time and, and all hell broke loose. Like, that's not true. Like, people do have justifiable reasons for not liking her. However, it, you know, another factor into this situation is audience perception. And they do these housewives tend to 
get gassed up or whatever based on how the audience is reacting to them and the situations that they're put in. So those things are persuasive. Even though we maybe not can speak to a specific moment, it has happened. It has. And I'm sure maybe we were able to see like specific on the show things that happened, but we didn't see them aired on this reunion. And I think that was a big fail. Um, I think this should have been a more than a couple of minutes. I think we really could have expanded on a lot of things. Um, but that's what we got. You know, this is what I was trying to say a few, I don't know, like earlier this season that there is no point. I don't want to say there's no point because I do think we got like little baby steps here. But to me, there's no point in trying to hold Ashley, Karen, not Karen, Ashley, Robin, and Giselle's feet to the fire about this because they'll never admit to being colorist, you know? So in that regard, like, you know what I mean? Like, rather than just accepting what these women are trying to say, they'll always try to poke holes. And they're like, well, I don't see it. That might not be true because how do we know? You know, just listen. (laughs) Just listen. Like, have they ever considered that they're called the Green Eyed Bandits because of, you know, (laughs) like, if you guys both had brown eyes, nobody would be saying that. Duh. (laughs) So Queen Huger says, listen, we can't say anything specific. We don't know if that's true, but the first step is in acknowledging it. So Ashley says, you know, I understand and I acknowledge the privileges that I have. Not only me, but Mia, Robin, Karen, Giselle, you guys, we all have it. So Candace and Wendy both say thank you for saying that. We appreciate it. And then Ashley goes on to say that she's had issues with everybody. Everybody. And in her opinion, the dynamics of the group are not based on skin color. And it bothers her if they feel that way. So Candace says, thank you. I hear you. And it breaks a lot of the stigma to just have Ashley say that she acknowledges her privilege. Robin. Giselle. (laughs) And then she starts to get a little bit emotional. Mia says, I totally agree with everything that Ashley said. Color is colorism is a real issue and it's upsetting to me because I'm raising a beautiful brown skin girl and it's just sad that people are accusing me of you know not just treating people based on how they treat me but you know unfortunately we all have work to do I wish also that we had heard a lot more from Wendy I'm sure she had a lot of great things that she said but really all we hear her say is you know I hope that since we've now had this conversation you know, it's a TV show. I get we all want to be entertaining and have fun. But I hope moving forward, everybody's just more mindful of the dog whistles that happen in this group. Um, maybe what should have happened is to have a discussion with the cast members after they film this about what points they felt were most important and wanted to have shown on the show. That, I think, would have made this a lot better. All right. Can I move on? I think maybe I should move on. (laughs) I gotta go, y'all. So at the end of the episode, Jacqueline shows up in her little one track of blonde. And uh, Andy says, Jacqueline, (laughs) I imagine when you started filming, this uh, wasn't what you imagined. And she goes, yeah, yeah. This is the first time she'd seen Mia since filming Wrapped. Mia says that watching the footage was disappointing because she feels like both of them could have been better. And Jacqueline goes, both of us? <laughs> it was devastating because I see my friend trying to drag me beneath her to elevate herself, to be her peasant, essentially. Mia denies this. She's like, you know, I didn't want her to feel that way. But there were a lot of things going on in my personal life at the time we were filming. So Andy says, well, do you feel like Jacqueline wasn't supporting you at the point? No, she was. But I just feel like, you know, I got overwhelmed by all the support that she needed. So, okay, you don't sound great in that, Mia. <laughs> Both of y'all were going through a lot. She was there for you and you were like, "Ooh, this is too much for me. Bye. So I'm going to talk shit about you. <laughs> Jacqueline says she wants to clear one thing up or the first thing, right? 
Um, she gave her sister up. The sister was originally Jacqueline's nanny. Jacqueline tuned into the fact that Mia had a lot going on. Didn't have her family like in the way that uh, Jacqueline does. A, a tight family unit. No family support. So she, uh, you know, bequeathed her sister onto Mia. Gave her to Mia. As, as an act of friendship. Andy then tries to play Dr. Drew to like do some sort of reverse psychology. Mia, when Jacqueline's parents took you in, did you feel like she uh, or they treated you differently or badly? And Mia says, no, I felt like they completely treated me like I was one of their kids. Andy asked Jacqueline if her parents have seen the show. She said, I told my mom not to look at it, but my family has seen it and they're disgusted with Mia. Mia says it's just a shame that it happened on camera because they have probably said worse things to each other before the show. And, you know, everybody knows that I can wake up the next day after a fight and, like, not even remember. Okay, well, that's not what happened with Jacqueline. So, I mean, you said fuck her forever. We saw you. She called to reach out to you and you said no. So, it didn't seem like that sleep helped you in this in this case. So, Jacqueline says, Mia, that's a problem. You're unhinged. <laughs> so Mia goes, I don't think that's the word. And Jacqueline says, okay, well, let me explain how you're unhinged. You sent uh, text messages in the group chat to the women. And here's what the text message we saw said. Uh, Mia saying, uh, Jacqueline needs to be planning what's for dinner with her food stamps card and her unemployment check now that she got fired and she's back living at home with her mama while her house is being sent in foreclosure. Priorities are all backwards. Well, Mia's response to that was, well, don't start none, won't be none. <laughs> so Jacqueline goes, girl, I don't know why you're coming for me when your family business is all in a shambles and I know about it and I have all those details. So she pulls out some papers. Mia then pulls out a Pandora's box, which is a glittery Swarovski crystal uh, box, frankly. And everybody's confused. And we get hit to, with the 2B continue. So... Oh, we'll be part three. Part three is going to be an hour and a half long. I'm sure the last 30 minutes are going to be Robin trying to defend her man, her man, her man. By the way, I did see the picture of Juan and this uh, Coppin State coach at the laundromat. I don't know. I mean, grain of salt because the person was saying, oh, I saw them all cuddled up and hugging and but the picture was just them, like, sitting together. So if you saw all that, then why didn't we get pictures of that? The picture we did see was pretty innocent. I don't know. But y'all let me know. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. <laughs>